Hello and welcome to the Miko Bits show. And I'm your host, Miko Bits. And uh, today uh, we have Michael Wagner from Star Atlas. So we're very excited to hear from Michael and understand a little bit more about this uh, cool project. So uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Miko. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So uh, I guess, you know, one of the things that is always uh, exciting to hear about is just a little bit of how would you describe Star Atlas? And, you know, maybe you can, you know, show us a few things. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. So um, I, guess, I guess just starting off, I mean, we really think about Star Atlas as something that can be transformative, not only to the gaming community, but really to the global population. Um, and that's a really bold statement to come out with um, just right at the inception. But, you know, generally speaking, what we're developing out is a grand strategy space themed massively multiplayer online game. Um, and we're coupling that with two things. One, we're integrating blockchain throughout the experience. Uh, which comes with a number of benefits for the players. And then we're also, you know, long-term thinking, developing out a metaverse concept, which is a fully integrative uh, alternative virtual reality that people can persist within. Um, and we can talk a little bit about uh, some of the requirements to make that a reality. But um, yeah, we believe that this can be essentially an alternative life for someone, uh, particularly when coupled with the financial incentives and rewards through blockchain, and then this fully immersive 3D gaming experience that we're building out um, on the Star Atlas side. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of high level where we're what the ambition is. Fantastic! I'm very excited about understanding more. Uh, we, uh, I'm very excited about kind of what I call multiverse and also meta reality so I, I i don't talk about you know the metaverse as if it were a singular thing mm -hmm. uh, but i i think for me i would love to understand more uh about the detailed mechanics right so i think you're proposing that people can re you know move into this environment they can uh, reside here and you know here we have some wonderful screens that i'm seeing so I, i'd love to kind of get a little more from you you know, in terms of uh, unpacking some of the visuals and, you know, understanding kind of where we are with this project. Absolutely. So I, um, I guess this probably isn't the best presentation format, but for anyone interested, this is the Star Atlas announcements channel. This is our official cha channel on Telegram. And um, we have a really nice history just of concept art that we've been creating over time. So um, as we progress along, you'll see this was some of the initial character design um, that was concepted out and, and we, um, you know, further developed character B and character E, uh, both Ooster models. But, um, you know, as a starting point, I, I would mention that where we largely differentiate ourselves is, um, is first on the gaming side, we are developing this out to AAA quality standards. So we're shooting for the highest caliber of content, of storyline, of lore, of graphical fidelity. Um, uh, essentially, you know, building out a game that would be attractive and entertaining to a mainstream audience with or without blockchain. So we don't necessarily consider ourselves to be a blockchain game per se. Uh, we're more of a mainstream game that comes with the added advantage of our long history and expertise in the blockchain and crypto space. Um, so, you know, just going from, say, here, um, uh, this Ooster model, uh, you can see that little further flushed out here and we produce these work of progress shots. Um, uh, we're pushing these out about four times a week through all of our social media channels, but 
Um, general uh, game mechanics include space exploration, territory control, political conquest, um, and this is all really wrapped in that grand strategy genre. And um, you know where we start to incorporate blockchain mechanics is, is first and foremost with um, true asset ownership, so non-fungible tokens as the core kind of underlying foundation of the entire economy. Um, players will own all of their ships, uh, their crew members, their modules, their components, the land that they own in the game, the buildings and structures they place on that land. All of these items are going to be, um, you know, intrinsically owned by the player and live on chain. And we, we happen to be building on Solana uh, for a number of reasons, but, you know, from the tech standpoint, Solana is uh, very high transaction throughput. Uh, low latency, so sub-second finality on transaction uh, or, or state change um, settlement. And, uh, and, and further, it's incredibly low transaction cost at less than one one hundredth of a penny per transaction. So from the tech side, um, they were capable of delivering the infrastructure necessary for us to build out this AAA quality game and deliver that on-chain with much of the experience actually living on-chain, even much of the game logic. Um, now we, we have a bit of a hybrid model initially where, you know, there are going to be some centralized servers and then there's going to be the decentralized infrastructure that we leverage for asset ownership. Um, but we are currently building out as much of the game logic, uh, logic directly on chain as possible and, and, you know, integrating with Serum for most of that activity. Um, so I'm just kind of flipping through some of the concept art here. Um, this is, you know, love this character. But the, so the other elements of blockchain include uh, two crypto native assets. So Atlas and Polis. Uh, Atlas is our in-game transactional currency. It is functionally the in-game gold. It is the unit of account that people will use for all operating expenses, such as you know, purchasing consumables, uh, repairing or refueling ships, um, upgrading items or uh, existing assets that they own. And it's also the primary mechanism uh, of reward for the players. So when you go out and complete PVP or PVE missions, or um, uh, when you um, operate mining equipment on land that generates ore that can then be sold back into the economy, what the NPC is providing back is Atlas. Um, now, Polis is our take on, uh, on a governance token. And uh, it, it in and of itself is actually dual purposed. So uh, within the game, Polis is used for the political strategy component. Um, owners of Polis are able to dominate or control regions of space. Um, and then they have exclusive rights to do things like impose taxes on other players that are actually operating in that space that maybe are not a part of the conglomerate that is controlling, controlling the region politically. Um, they can also set some degree of fines, fees, rule, and law in the regions that they control. And where we see this being um, most likely to be utilized is through uh, the guild structure. So when clans are in the game, uh, they pull together their, their polis resources, they can control regions of space and use that even as a recruiting tool for other players uh, who might be interested in owning land in that region, but don't want to have to say, pay a tax to, uh, to somebody who they're not related with. Um, and then outside of the game, Polis is most heavily focused on decentralized governance. So um, people, the players, the owners will actually be able to influence long-term development decision-making. 
Um, what that means is being able to uh, submit proposals and cast votes for things like economic policy within the game, inflation rates or asset release schedules. Um, they'll also be able to vote on feature releases or product requests. Um, and, and you know, ultimately, this truly empowers the, the gamer and the holder of the governance token to be able to direct this game, the outcome of this game, to something that is most attractive to them. Uh, now, from the external governance standpoint, we think you know, it's going to take a couple of years for us to fully integrate that and implement it into, um, into effect, simply because we have, uh, you know, we have a solid roadmap and plan, a strategy ahead of us of how to deliver the optimal experience for the gamer. Um, and we know that we need to get to that point before we start allowing too much external influence to modify uh, the intended outcome. So um, in, the, in the near term policies used within the game, long-term polis will be used for uh, long-term development decision-making. And then finally, we also have um, DeFi integrated throughout the game as well, including things like liquidity pools, uh, automated market making, uh, lending pools, and otherwise forms of yield generation and interest uh, income that can be earned by, by players. So the idea is, you know, I think by and large, DeFi is a gamification of finance. Uh, it's because of that, it actually becomes kind of interesting and fun to interact with money through these DeFi protocols. I think that that's, I think that that's really powerful um, because otherwise finance and capital is kind of this boring monotonous concept that people don't want to invest energy into understanding. But through DeFi protocols, through gamification of finance and our further um, gamification by integrating it into a legitimate gaming experience, people will actually take interest in understanding how money works, how money operates and how they can maximize income and yields for themselves. And so we're, we're creating this really, you know, um, empowering uh, paradigm for people to be able to engage with the video game concept, earn interest, earn income, you know, play to earn model, and also, you know, improve financial literacy globally. So let's yeah, pause uh, there for I, a minute. That was quite a bit to unpack. Uh, no, I'd love to kind of get a little bit even more. So, uh, you know, for me, uh, I'd love to kind of understand a bit about how did this project get started, a little bit about yourself and your background, sure. a little bit about what your kind of superpowers are, are, and, you know, so just, just would love to kind of understand a little bit more about, about you and the team and how this, how this came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my background is really in the legacy financial space, uh, CFA charter holder and come from the field of portfolio management, investment and securities analysis. Um, but I got internet, uh, introduced to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in 2013. Um, and my inroad was through GPU mining of script coins, uh, you know, back at the back at the tail end of 2013. Um, now, you know, quick tangent, uh, growing up, my formative years were spent in this computer gaming group. Uh, we called ourselves the Lanarchists. And, you know, if you grew up in the 90s and you wanted to uh, multiplayer game with your friends, by and large, you had to all aggregate <laughs> to someone's house, bring your big tower and monitor over to someone's house, network those together, so local area network, and, and then you'd be able to play games all weekend. And that was, that was kind of how we... Um, you know, spent our time most every weekend was just land gaming with, with buddies. 
And so, you know, as a result of that, I, I have a pretty extensive background at just building out all of my own computers. I've, I've always built my own computer. And uh, so when my, when my buddy was talking to me about uh, GPU mining script coins in milk crates, uh, it was pretty attractive. It was like a, it was easy um, inroad for me, low barrier to entry for me to be able to figure out how to construct the equipment. And uh, I saw, I saw a script coin mining as a potential residual income stream. Um, unfortunately, that was not the case. Uh, I was actually, um, you know, coming in right before the Mount Gox collapse. I had put a bunch of money into these into these mining rigs, which. By the way, they were all over my house. Uh, I'm like blowing out circuit breakers left and right. I was living in Vegas. And so you can imagine how hot these things run, especially in the summer. So um, it was fun, but it didn't, uh, it didn't actually generate any, any real income for me. In fact, I, I realized the loss, but uh, what, it, what it did for me was get me fascinated by the industry, by, by the ecosystem. And so I spent the next couple of years through the bear cycle just researching and learning as much as I possibly could about, about crypto. Uh, went on to launch my first company at the end of 2016, which is a crypto and cannabis play. That's called Tokes Platform or Multi-Chain Ventures is the umbrella that that lives with under. And, and uh, the idea with that company is to deliver this decentralized financial infrastructure to the legal cannabis industry. You know, an, an industry that is um, kind of censored and does not have access to legacy financial infrastructure because of the disparity in state versus federal legalization. So uh, that company is doing quite well. It's, it's um, kind of a, a standing on its own feet at this point. I have a team behind uh, that entity. And in mid 2020, started to conceptualize the idea of Star Atlas on the basis of, well, there's a lot of momentum in DeFi. Um, NFTs uh, are seeing explosive growth. The team and I, who have worked together now for several years, um, are, are deep gamers ourselves. We have a passion and enthusiasm for gaming. Um, and we saw a huge opportunity to create this, uh, I don't want to say better experience, but maybe bigger experience than what we had seen in the crypto gaming space. You know, I think there's still, it's still in the earliest stages of development, and we're seeing a lot of rudimentary style games uh, that are either turn based or card based or in browser. And as I said, you know, our vision for Star Atlas is to develop out this AAA gaming experience uh, that we think will be um, pretty, um, um, it will attract a lot of that mainstream gaming audience actually to the blockchain and crypto ecosystem. You know, we think that it's, it's not vice versa. We're not leveraging on the crypto um, elites and, and people that are sophisticated in how crypto and DeFi works, we're, we're actually trying to target the mainstream and attract them into the crypto ecosystem and educate them on how you know, they can derive benefit from true asset ownership of NFTs and, and fully you know, fungible crypto native currencies within the game, as well as the ability to participate and park rewards um, and cash into the DeFi protocols so they can actually maximize their own yield, right? So it's, it's kind of like, the game mechanics, but also the financial mechanics that are there that create this enhancement over to the gaming experience. Yeah, that's great. Uh, <clears throat> I'd love to learn a little bit about sort of the team experience in terms of, you know, shipping games, because it, it feels like you're, you know, talking about a AAA quality game title, you know, and as we know, you know, that's a ex exceedingly provably hard thing to, to do. So I guess I'd love to kind of understand sort of the team background with respect to developing and shipping uh, AAA 
quality uh, game titles? Sure. No, it's a, it's a fantastic question. And um, from a personal level, this is the first game that I've ever worked on developing myself. Um, but I give a lot of credit to the team and, and really the thing that's making us succeed so far. And we, we I would consider us um, a pretty considerable success to date just in terms of sales and, and our launch of our NFT marketplace and our poster sales, which we can get into and talk a little bit about. Um, but uh, Danny Floyd is our chief product officer, and he's been largely responsible for designing out things like the gameplay mechanics, um, the, the character creation, uh, in fact, all of the concept art, um, you know, his team is, is directly responsible for. He's got about 20 years of experience in AAA game development uh, prior to working with me on multi-chain ventures. Um, you know, one of the titles that he worked on very early on in his career was Earth and Beyond, which was one of the first space-themed uh, MMOs to come into existence. So um, we're we're really leaning heavily on him, and uh, from a you know team development standpoint, uh, we've gone from four people uh, of co-founders back in December uh, to well over sixty-five people today on the team, and I would say about thirty-five of those people are all on concept art, um, and and we're moving into the production art roles now. So he's been entirely responsible for scaling that uh, creative uh, and design and product side of the company, uh, which has allowed us to create all of this fantastic, fantastic concept art, our poster series, and a lot of the materials that you see today. Um, and also driving the uh, kind of the, the, the roadmap for our mini game, which is intended to come out in July or August of this year. Uh, now, the mini game is an in-browser experience itself. Um, and what it does is allows players to engage in some of the gameplay loops, uh, participate in some ship missions, but perhaps more importantly, they can actually deploy their assets that they're buying and start to earn interest, income, or yield off of those um, as early as August. And so this, this was incredibly important for us to be able to deliver uh, touch points with the consumer uh, frequently, regularly, and uh, in an enjoyable format so people aren't waiting three years for us to create the full immersive experience. Right, we're actually creating something that provides value today. But uh, so that's Danny. Jacob Floyd is our chief technology officer. Um, he just has a tremendous background in uh, mobile game development and web app development, uh, site reliability engineering, DevOps, as well as um, managing our previous development teams. And then Pablo Quiroga is our chief operating officer, leading up you know a lot of our marketing efforts, um, strategic partnerships, business development. Uh, yeah, so we, we all kind of wear a lot of hats, but if, if, if I were to say I'm my Superman talent is really just finding those people who are really good at what they do <laughs> and making sure we put those people in place. That's great. And, uh, you know, very, very, uh, encouraging. So, uh, would love to kind of understand a bit about sort of the economics because, you know, you mentioned that people could move into this world. Obviously, you're saying that it could transform people's relationship with finance and, you know, they could spend a lot of time in this world, right? So I'd love to kind of get your take on the economics, uh, you know, especially one of the things that's complicated about uh, economics is that, you know, it tends to create open systems, you know, and in a sense, the question becomes, how do, we, how do you manage issues like uh, pay to win? Yeah, I think we're in a unique spot. I mean, we're, you know, first and foremost, we are working with two external teams on 
economic, uh, economic analysis and development, as well as tokenomic analysis and development. Um, I think we personally think we have a pretty robust um, model as a baseline. And then we're, we're concurrently uh, uh, expanding our internal team. So hiring a chief economist internally, uh, a couple of data scientists, a couple of analysts uh, that will help us continuously rebalance the game. Now it's it's very difficult to determine in advance exactly how everything is going to function, um, even from the econ standpoint. Uh, so it's important for us to get this mini game delivered uh, as a playable experience in which we can kind of derive, well, first of all, data, but also user feedback. And based on that, um, make adjustments over time and then also incorporate polis into that process so that players are able to or at least polis holders are able to influence the outcome of these economics. So we've already talked a little bit about um, Atlas and Polis, the two in-game currencies. Yep. Uh, this, you know, I don't know how deep we want to get into the specifics of this. This is our white paper that I'm looking at right now. And there's a ton of, you know, fantastic data in here for anyone who's interested or hungry in learning more about how the economics will work. Uh, some of this is still yet to be uh, determined, but you know, we're, we're looking at it mostly from the uh, primary driver of reward, which again is Atlas and your ability to reinvest back into, uh, back into the economy to continuously compound and improve your, um, your potential to earn revenue. Now, where this gets, you know, a little more complex is that we actually do have this open decentralized economy for which we don't have complete control. Uh, now, I think there's pros and cons associated with that. Um, most games are are terrible at managing their in-game economy, and they're also, you know, um, tend to be hyperinflationary by nature. Uh, and so we have to control from for that from the start. And we do in the sense of we have a limited supply or finite supply of all of the assets that we're selling, first and foremost. Um, and we also have a finite supply of currency. And so once we commit to a distribution schedule for that, uh, it's going to be very difficult to you know, change tracks at some point in the future. So, um, you know, the, this model is, uh, I can tell you right now is going to change a little bit. It was intended to be heavy distribution in year one, but uh, I think we're actually going to take a year to two years um, to uh, slowly distribute Atlas to see kind of uh, how the economy is functioning. Um, and then we'll ramp it up for a period. And we also want to make sure that when people are playing the AAA quality gaming experience, uh, they there are rewards still available for them. And, and again, you know that will take several years for us to fully complete, but expecting to have the first version of that available in uh, July or August of 2022. Uh, so this is, we talked a little bit about Polis and how that will work in governance. And then I think what I what I'll do is kind of skip down to skip down to our stakeholder chart. Um, there's there's once again a lot of great information in this. This describes a little bit about how we think about um, our position as a stakeholder in um, in the ecosystem versus the other two, you know, immediate stakeholders, which include token holders. And then gamers, uh, gamers are inherently token holders because they, they by and large require the tokens to be able to play. Um, so token holders, you can think of as, you know, primarily speculators uh, and what they care about are things like price appreciation and the ability to generate yield. Uh, we in the middle 
act very much as a you know centralized game development company, a, a traditional organization, um, which is really necessary to um, develop out a product as complex as what we're building today. Uh, committee uh, or consensus by committee doesn't really work when you have a vision that's as broad as ours, right? And so the starting point for us is to build this as a centralized game development company in which we care about things like asset sales, um, which are ships, crew, land, et cetera. Uh, currency sales are the are the Atlas and Polis tokens, and then building up value in our company, uh, goodwill and, and brand equity over time. Now, the way we actually create um, alignment with the decentralized economy, that is the token economy and the NFTs, is to um, provide these support mechanisms such as either buy and burns or asset distribution based off of in-game revenue. Um, and we also have a, a pretty unique mechanism here that we're uh, developing out, which we call a universal automated market maker. But the, um, the reality of the function is that we effectively take game revenue uh, and we deposit it into this liquidity pool, but only on the buy side. And so over time, as you can imagine, uh, if we're generating more revenue, the value in that pool continues to increase. We never take away from it. We only contribute to it. And so the theory is that it will it will create a, uh, a fundamental floor for which the value of the tokens cannot drop beneath because uh, every token could be sold into that pool to be liquidated. So using a very basic example, if there were 100 units in circulation and $100 in the pool, then every unit could be sold back to the pool for $1, at which point those units would be destroyed, they'd be burned, um, and everybody would have an effective exit uh, from, from the game economy. So, um, uh, yeah, and then, you know, where, uh, where we also uh, derive value is that in-game expenses come back into us in the form of these tokens. So when people are actually, you know, uh, repairing their ship or refueling their ship and spending Atlas or spending Polis within the game, that comes back into us as a developer, which we then have the optionality to liquidate at some later point. And we're still developing out the governance models surrounding that. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think what's important here is we have a very close synergistic relationship with the decentralized economy, which we, um, you know, we directly support financially, and at the same time, we directly benefit from financially through the recirculation of tokens back into us. Yeah, uh, I guess for me, I'm really curious about, um, you know, getting getting sort of right into the heart of the matter, right, which is one of the issues with with kind of integrating DeFi and financial services and NFT purchasing, you know, into this kind of, you know, metagame level, like, how do you deal with, you know, pay, pay to win? Like, it, it still feels like the biggest wallet may actually rule your game. And if, if that does turn out to be the case, then it doesn't provide much of a respite from reality, right? Because in, in a sense, that's the game everyone plays every day, which is, you know, just getting beaten up by other people's big wallets. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think of it as, as pay to win. I do think of it as um, kind of a, I, I hesitate to use the term, but in, invest to earn. Uh, so certainly players who invest more capital into game assets have a higher return potential. But 
it, you know, I can't give you like a solid answer immediately in terms of how we're going to rebalance the game to ensure that everyone has a fair chance. But, um, you know, that, that certainly is the objective and it's a big open world, right? So it's not like everyone will be forced to go into the same zone to interact with one another. Um, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to explore space and, and find a way to earn for yourself that would be proportional to whoever is spending, you know, the, you know, so say the whales in the room, you can, you can spend $10 to get into the game or you can spend a million dollars to get into the game. Um, your earning potential is going to be increased based on the amount that you invest into those assets. But uh, that doesn't mean that the, you know, the $10 player doesn't have a fair chance of going out and earning, you know, a, a living wage for themselves, which is really the objective is to actually provide people the opportunity to live entirely and earn entirely from the game itself. So, um, you know, we're also working pretty intensely to facilitate the, the cultivation of uh, these guilds, the clan system. You know, making sure that people are teaming up, uh, working with groups like Yield Guild Games, Gabby Dyson, right? So, um, you know, I think what they're doing is fantastic. They're pooling resources for the gamers that are part of their their group. Um, you know, that in and of itself is going to enable them then to have so much more, uh, say, power within the game. Uh, and you know, there it's not only the capital resource going in, but it's the mental resource. You know, it's the strategy that they're able to develop out as a team collectively that they can then deploy within Star Atlas that's going to make them, you know, a force to be reckoned with. Um, and anybody can do that. People in our Discord today are already forming, you know, their own clans and recruiting people, even though we're still, you know, quite a ways out from the, the fully playable version of the game. So I, I think that's where uh, we start to see the equilibrium is through this clan formation, th through the pooling of resources and uh, the execution of strategy. Um, it is it is important for us as a developer to create that balance. But once again, this is where I think the decentralized governance models have a lot of weight is we're going to give people the option to vote on changes that need to be made. And obviously we need to take that uh, information objectively and not vote or not not implement a change that you know benefits anybody <laughs> individually um, but it, but it is just another tool that players have then to be able to kind of determine the outcome of the game we yeah, do i'm very excited about the future of decentralized governance and of course uh, Yield Guild game first for games first disclosure. Obviously, we did have Gabby on the Miko Bits show, but as well, uh, my fund is invested in Yield Guild games. Just to you know, let the audience know. But uh, please, please go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, and we also have a, a pretty cool uh, deflationary model within the game. Um, not only from the kind of like the asset burn, but uh, from the way that we've designed out the the faction system and these security zones within the factions. Uh, so we, we've defined three factions, a safe zone, a medium risk zone, and a high risk zone. Um, naturally, as you progress through the security risks, uh, you, your ability to earn income is, is also higher. Um, so for example, moving into the medium risk zone, you will be, um, other players will be able to attack you and destroy you, or they'll be able to attack your land equipment and take it offline, but it's, but it's non-permanent death. You will respawn. You'll just need to repair your equipment. However, the, the, the um, highest uh, 
uh, revenue generating uh, zone in deep space, which is the high risk zone, is actually more of a hardcore mode. If you go out there, it is permanent death. So if you lose an engagement with another player um, and your ship gets destroyed, it will literally get burned off chain. It will get destroyed uh, from the economy in its entirety. And the other player that won that engagement will have the ability to then recapture or salvage some of the items that were on your ship. Now the, the ship that was destroyed, you know, that deflationary element actually is to the benefit of every other player across the game with the exception of the person that lost their ship. It's kind of like, um, you know, people that have lost their Bitcoin wallets historically, you know, and I think uh, Satoshi's comment was essentially that, you know, that, that it just creates more value for every other coin that is in circulation that people actually possess. Um, so that's kind of the way we think about the, um, you know, the economic benefit, but it, it doesn't, it, that doesn't exactly address your question about game balance and, and how do we ensure that it's not strictly pay to win. But, uh, you know, the honest answer is we don't have that result yet, uh, but it is incumbent on us to be able to develop out that, uh, that balance based on uh, what we look at are numerical values. And that's kind of how we're basing everything right now. So everything comes down to a basic score and it's just a raw numerical value. And then uh, we use those figures algorithmically to, um, to, to determine you know, how powerful or weak or specialized an asset is. Yeah, and uh, I really do like this idea of having kind of a you know, a deep space or a rim, you know, rim world or you know, ha have some kind of uh you know zones that kind of really uh, enable players to engage according to their own uh interests and desires right so you know i think i think you know if they want the excitement of that kind of uh permadeath type of environment like you know i think that's a that's a very welcome addition to any kind of a game environment you know so i i really feel like people should have the ability to you know consent to operating under uh, rule sets that you know sort of govern action locally. So, so I think I think those are some really innovative and beneficial solutions, you know. And I think that's that's really I think contributes to the longevity of a very large community that may be segmented in terms of their uh, gameplay goals. You know, I think the the hardcore mode is is a feature that's largely disappeared from gaming um, in in recent years. You know. Uh, one of the earliest games that I was uh, kind of uh, MMOs that I was playing was Ultima Online, and it was ruthless. It was cutthroat back in those days, and it was also exhilarating. <laughs> you know, now this is a little bit different because there's also this, you know, significant capital resource um, kind of injection that's necessary to be able to play. So you you have real hard dollars at work, not just time. So uh, will be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm I, I'm expecting these large bands of players that are <laughs> kind of floating around in deep space together. I, you know, I wouldn't anticipate anybody out there on their own, but uh, yeah. I, yeah, it's I'm, very, it is, uh, you know, and it's good shout out to uh, Richard Garriott and the whole uh, Ultima series. Uh, definitely was a OG player, both of UOL as well as the previous Ultima series that were kind of very seminal in the creation of the kind of uh, fantasy video game genre. So, you know, I, I appreciate uh, you coming on the show. It's been an incredibly informative and exciting uh, time. So, you know, I hope, hope people will, uh, you know, start jumping in. So where, where are the best places to follow? Uh, there may be just a website 
jumping off point where people can get into your discord or read the white paper. So just let us know how we can uh, follow you and how we can, you know, keep, keep in touch with your progress. Yeah. I mean, the easiest point is really just staratlas.com is our primary website. And we have links to all of our social media, very active in Telegram, very active on Twitter. Um, we also have a, you know, we're publishing a biweekly uh, Atlassian newsletter, as we call it. Uh, we actually just released one yesterday. So that's on Medium. Um, but you can find all of those links directly on our website. I would be remiss as we're winding down if I didn't at least point this out to people. Uh, we are running a our very first NFT digital art collection uh, sale currently. It's called Rebirth, Genesis of a Metaverse. It's a series of 14 posters that we sell over 14 weeks. Uh, and these are all multimedia meta posters, as we call them. So um, I, I'll share with you just one video. But for example, as you go into the experience, you can scan this with your device in either Instagram or Facebook. Uh, just scan it with your camera. It'll pull it up in one of those applications. And uh, each one of these posters is, is uh, enhanced with augmented reality. So it's, it creates this really immersive three-dimensional depth and animation. Uh, again, I'll, I'll share with you a recording of that, but uh, so it's augmented reality. And then we've coupled it with audio soundscapes. So on this first one, we worked with Blondish and Jason Silva um, to produce a, an audio track and then uh, voiceover for that audio track. So uh, the idea is that through the course of these 14 weeks, we're actually unveiling the lore, the genesis of Star Atlas and how we got to where we are in the year uh, 2620. So I just want to quickly show you here just the, the most recent poster. We are on poster four right now. So in any case, it's, you know, it's just a really, really fun experience. We've, a lot of people have been sharing these on social media. It's kind of the ability to capture this historic moment in time. Uh, you know, as we said, the genesis of, of a metaverse, I think where we're at right now in game technology, game engine technology, decentralized finance, um, and, and blockchain and cryptocurrencies, we are probably in the best position we've ever been in to be able to bring the metaverse to reality. And, and uh, we're thrilled about that prospect. And, and uh, Miko, sincerely appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what a wonderful closing note. And, you know, it is absolutely great to uh, spend time with the leaders and visionaries of building these metaverse experiences and economies. So, you know, it's absolutely fun uh, and, and great to have you on the show. So uh, welcome to come back uh, at any big uh, announcement or any boundary that you think would, uh, you know, be a great update for what we've, what we've seen today. That's great. We should have, um, we should have more game content, game footage, you know, coming up in July surrounding the launch of that mini game. So it might be a great time. We'd love to share that with, with you and your audience. Yeah. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.